All right. Good morning, church. All right. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do give you thanks and praise for, for this morning. Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence among us, and we pray that we know that you will continue to be with us. Father God, what a great reminder it was this morning of what your Son, Jesus Christ, did on the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for, for our sins. The ultimate price for us. Holy Spirit, continue to illuminate us this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As you can tell in the bulletin and the outline right there, the overall theme that we're going to have here this morning is in our evangelism and witnessing, we are called to seek sinners in need of repentance and for them to meet the great physician who can heal them spiritually. And from the three points we have, Jesus, the founder of our salvation, causes people, and we'll have the three points. If you'd like to follow along in your Bibles or the Red Pew, the Scripture for this morning, it's found on page 861 of your Red Bible. And we're taking the text this morning from Luke 5, 27-32, as we continue to move along in the book of Luke. Again, page 861, Luke 5, 27-32. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Amen. J.C. Ryle says of these verses, I quote, The verses we have now read ought to be deeply interesting to everyone who knows the value of an immortal soul and desires salvation. They describe the conversion and experience of one of Christ's earliest disciples. We too are all by nature born in sin and need conversion. Let us see what we know of the mighty change. Let us compare our own experience with that of the man whose case is here described. And by comparison, learn wisdom. I like that, the last three words, comparison, learn wisdom. By the Holy Spirit, we will find wisdom through the text this morning. Point number one, Jesus, the founder of our salvation, causes people to follow Him and leave their former life. Verses 27 to 28 again reads, After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, Follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. Obviously, we know from the text that Levi is also known as Matthew, is one of the twelve disciples as he is following Jesus here after this text. He is a tax collector. The first thing that I saw when I read tax collector, I think of April 15th, 
I don't know about you. I always think about that April 15th. And I get to a degree, this is kind of strange for how I do this, but every time I get my pay or my pension from the Navy, I look at the pay stub and see how many taxes are taken out. Sometimes I get angry. I'm like, why are so many taxes taken out of my paycheck? I work so hard, and why is that? But my family knows that how I am when it regards to taxes and such. But I do pay faithfully because Jesus says we are to pay taxes. During the days of the New Testament, again, tax collectors were not well liked. In fact, they were hated and despised. The tax collectors were held to a very low esteem, especially in the Jewish society, because most of the tax collectors were taken from the Jews. They were low on the social scale. And worst of sinners, according to the Pharisees and the scribes. They were viewed as traitors to their people and viewed as unclean. They were barred from the synagogues and forbidden to give testimony in a Jewish court because they were considered to be liars. The reason for tax collectors was due to the Roman occupation of Israel. The nation of Israel was to pay taxes to the Roman Empire. How was this done? This was done by tax collectors who sat in a tax booth, like Levi, collecting taxes. Now listen to these. This should remind us some of these. Poll tax, income tax, land tax. Taxes on a transport of goods, produce, using roads, crossing bridges, and whatever the greedy tax collectors would come up with. That sounds like today, does it not? <laughs> I remember in Virginia always putting 25 cents on one of the inner end roads there, every time you had to go through. And even at the, we go through the, sometimes, I don't know what the sales taxes on everything is charged, but every time we do something, make a transaction, if you look, a lot of times there's sales taxes. Tax collectors had a certain amount of money that they were required to collect, and whatever they collected, beyond that, they were permitted to keep. So think about that. There was a lot of greed going on. That's why they were not liked. They were extortionists. They would put, have more taxes so they can pocket it. That's why a lot of them were wealthy. And of course, we know in Scripture, um, Levi was not, the chief, not a chief tax collector like Zacchaeus. He was also very rich. But we'll see that later in Luke 19 down the road, what, next year sometime maybe? <laughs> and if you can tell with Levi, this is what I think, that Levi was most likely collecting taxes from the fishermen because of based on Mark 2, chapter, or chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. So Levi was a tax collector. In verse 31, as Jesus went out, he saw or observed, and sometimes you have notice in other translations, Levi, he noticed him. One of the meanings of this word is Jesus looked at. This indicates that Jesus singled out Levi for a purpose. Jesus was intentionally seeking out Levi. Think about that. Jesus was intentionally seeking out Levi. Jesus then says to Levi, follow me. You notice that Jesus did not ask, do you want to follow me? Jesus straight out said, follow me. 
Jesus was not sitting there waiting for Levi to pass by. Again, Jesus purposely sought out Levi. We see here in the gospel of Jesus Christ that it is open to all people. The gospel is open to all people around the world, not here in America. I tell you, friends, this had to strike a nerve with the Pharisees and the scribes, did it not? I'm sure they had to think to themselves, how dare Jesus to ask a sinner like the tax collector to follow him? To me, this is an amazing and purposeful that Jesus would call a tax collector to follow him, and even that to be one of his disciples. Matthew Henry says, It was a wonder of his grace that he would call a publican from the receipt of custom to be his disciple and follower, verse 27. It was wonderful condensation that he should permit poor fishermen to that honor, men of the lowest rank. But much more wonderful that he should admit publicans, men appearing in the likeness of sinful flesh. By this, he exposed himself and got the invidious character of a friend of publicans and sinners. Because of whom Jesus is the founder of our salvation, people follow him. Many people when Jesus was on this earth, they were curious about what he was doing. I'm sure we know in Scripture that word was getting around about Jesus Christ. I mean, just think about that. The word was spreading. And I don't know how many football fans we hear, but sometimes when, like Adrian Peterson, something happened with it, what everybody knew about him, even if you were not a football fan, you knew about Adrian Peterson. And he left. A lot of people knew about Jesus. Jesus performed many miracles, including physical healings and taking demons out of people. Jesus sets people free from their depravity of sin. Jesus sets people free from the yoke of slavery to sin. Jesus is the true and only hope of redemption. You know what? The government can't save us. My family, families can't save us. Your job can't save you. Friends can't save you. I don't know everybody's testimony, their story in life, how they come to faith. But for those that have come to faith in Jesus, where did you come from? What was your situation in life when Jesus called you? One sure thing, I guarantee that you were a sinner and are a sinner at that time. Right? A sinner in need of a Savior. For those who are here this morning who are not believers, let the Holy Spirit convict you this morning and what Jesus is talking about here. Next, look what Levi does. He left everything and rose to follow Jesus. Levi broke away from being a tax collector and followed Jesus Christ. Levi left his post. Think about that. For those of us that are in the military, what does that mean if you walk away from your post? You abandon it. You leave completely. You could get in trouble for that. Levi didn't care. He left his post as a tax collector. Imagine that. He's sitting there in a tax booth. Jesus comes by and he walks away. In other words, Levi abandoned his job as a tax collector. He abandoned his wealth to follow Jesus Christ. 
We see that some of that similar response from Simon, James, and John as earlier as seen in Luke chapter 5. One of the verses that immediately came to my mind when I read this text was Luke 9, 23 to 24, and it says, And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. This is what Levi did. Levi is our example and the rest of the disciples of Jesus. He denied himself and took up his cross to be a follower and disciple of Jesus Christ. Are you and I like Levi? This morning, Sunday morning in Mount, Minnesota? Do we deny ourselves and take up the cross daily and follow Jesus Christ? Again, Levi left everything. He rose. And that was the point of his conversion when he rose and followed Jesus. What's holding us back? What are the idols in our life that we completely follow Jesus Christ? That we deny the world, we deny ourselves. What's holding us back? What are the idols? I admit, there's a couple I have that I have a hard time doing with sometimes. Football season. I mean, Pastor Theft was here. How many times have we texted each other during the football season? That was a bad play. What are they doing? I was so encompassed on that after church. And sometimes at church, I would think about the game, what time it starts and what's going on. Who's injured? And sometimes golf for me. When it comes to summer in Minnesota, I want to get outside. But when I golf, I'll admit, I love God's creation. That's why I golf. That's why I stink. And by the way, Dave, yesterday, three putts again, plus. He knows what I'm talking about. So what is it? Do, do we, are we denying ourselves and follow Jesus Christ completely? At our work, at our home, with family and friends? Do they see that we emptied ourselves of the world and follow Jesus Christ? I hope so. Again, Jesus, the founder of our salvation, causes people to follow Him and leave their former life. Point number two says, Jesus, the founder of our salvation, causes people to be joyful and to expect confrontation. The verses read, And Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Levi was so joyful that he had made a great feast, a great banquet at his house. You see, because of his wealth and being joyful of his conversion when he rose and followed Jesus, he was able to give a great feast because of the wealth that he acquired. But look who came with him. Look who he invited. Fellow tax collectors, others. In Matthew 9, 10, it says sinners. And also in verse 30, it says sinners. So here we have tax collectors. We have others. Disciples are there. And we have Jesus himself who is what? Who is the honored guest? Is Jesus the honored guest at our homes? The others are sinners, could have included thieves, drunkards, and even prostitutes. Jesus came to seek the lost, as seen in Luke 19.10. The joy that Levi shows has a very specific purpose. Levi wants his fellow task collectors, sinners, to be introduced to Jesus and to hear what Jesus has to say. 
I don't know about you, but I like to eat. I like to cook. I like to serve. A lot of our lives are around food, is it not? We get together for men's groups. What's the first thing we do? We eat. Thanksgiving, what do we do? Eat. We talk later. Eat again. Eat all day, right? But they were reclined at the table, and this indicates a lengthy meal and a lot of time for conversation. Jesus ate with a socially and religiously outcast as a way of initiation, initiating a religious dialogue with them. They flocked to him because he acted so different from the self-righteous rabbis and scribes. Eating was a special event in the ancient Near East which expressed friendship and acceptance. Guests would have reclined sometimes on their left elbow around a table. Sometimes it could be a horseshoe type of table with their feet behind them. In the Near East, those who were not invited to the actual meal could come and hear the conversations. You get a picture of that of a house. You got, I see the picture of people in the windows. The window is wide open. You got, you're just sticking their heads through the window to hear what was going on. During the Navy, I had an opportunity to go to Ephesus. I, was in, I can't remember what port I was at. But we went to see where Paul was at in Ephesus. We saw the structures. And afterwards, we, there was a huge feast. It was in a big tent somewhere in the desert there. I can't remember where it was. But we walked in. There was a huge table. I was probably maybe two feet tall. And we all sat there. And the people that led us, our tour guide, was the leader of this. And he talked about Paul. Amazing. And he was right from the Word of God. He had the history of Paul. But he, we talked for hours. We ate for hours. And I'll never forget, it was a great time leaning there. And it was like at midnight we left. We had a three-hour trek back to the ship. The bad side of that that I remember, I got food poison from that. And we don't have a doctor on ship, we have a corpsman. And I was so bad. At the time I was on staff duty, it was so bad, I couldn't serve the Commodore or the rest of my staff. In fact, the Commodore got so concerned, he came down to see me, and he was ready to get me out of there to go to a hospital. I was really in bad shape, but I still, that's the bad part, but the best part was, is, was hanging out with conversation with friends and with people from that country. When we gather as a family with friends or others for a meal, what happens? We talk. We talk about politics, right? We talk about jobs and just about life in general. Politics is interesting in our family. I'm sure it is with yours. We also talk about our faith. And of course, what happens during holidays, we talk about faith and what happens? There's confrontation about faith. And sometimes we get heated in our discussions. I had a discussion with my dad about a year ago and it got heated. I'm like, I never acted that way with my dad in my whole life. Sure, I got mad at him when I was growing up in high school. That's because teenagers, you know, you always got mad at times. But at the end of it, he agreed with me. Because that's what the Word of God said. So I'm thankful for God for that. This meal that Levi gives tells those who are present about the end of his former life. And he was telling about the beginning of his new life in Christ. This was an outreach to the tax collectors and sinners with an evangelistic purpose. The parable of make banquet comes to my mind from Luke 14 to 20, 12 to 24. It reads, He said also to the man who invited him, 
When you give a dinner or banquet, do not invite your friends or brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. When one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to them, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at that time for the banquet he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yokes of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have a married wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to the servant, Go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city, and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. Strong words from Jesus. What better outreach than to have Jesus himself reclining at the table amongst sinners? We don't have Jesus physically here on earth with us right now, but we have the word of God. We have, for those who believe, we have Jesus abiding in us. For those who believe. We have our testimony that, that have the light of Christ shining from us. We project the joy that is from our hearts when we gather those who are lost. This is again a picture of Jesus receiving lost sinners. This is an example for us today. How many times has, from here, Pastor Dave said, invite your neighbors to your house for a meal? A ha- at least a handful of times in the last three or four months. We do have that today. We have people here that open their house. You don't have to be extravagant in your meal. If you can do that, do that. Ordering pizza is okay. In fact, even making a grilled cheese sandwich and soup is all right. Just invite people over to have a discussion, and to recline at the table. Are we joyful when it comes to our life in Christ? We ought to be, I am. But it's not easy living a Christian life, is it not? We do suffer at times. We are different than the world. Look at Levi, he changed completely in a moment. Do we daily celebrate with joy because of our faith? in Jesus Christ, that we are saved and forgiven. Be joyful, brothers and sisters. The other part of this verse talks, we will have confrontation and questions thrown as it when it comes to our faith in Christ. The Pharisees and scribes grumbled at Jesus' disciples because he was eating and drinking with the tax collectors and sinners. How dare that Jesus would be eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners? How dare he do that? He did it. The Pharisees were complaining and dissatisfied with the disciples and Jesus. 
In other words, they're expressing their discontent with Jesus and his disciples. You know, when I read that, you can almost hear the grumbling, the murmuring that's going on with the Pharisees and the scribes. We do have that today, do we not? Sometimes we talk about something, you hear somebody in the background whispering or grumbling about something. You see, they did not believe that he was the Messiah, the King of the Jews. Jesus simply did not fit in their, their traditional religious life. Digging deeper, the Pharisees and the scribes, they think they are righteous, would never eat with tax collectors and sinners. On a daily basis, I'm sure they came in contact with sinners and tax collectors. That was beneath them. They were living out the law and did not see the grace that was living among them. They could not see and look past the law. They did not see this man, Jesus Christ the Messiah, fulfilling the law. The question from the Pharisees and the scribes was directly at the disciples, but indirectly to the honored guest, Jesus Christ. Jesus knew this because of his response in verses 31 and 32. This is a teaching moment for the disciples of what Levi did and the confrontation and the questions and the grumbling of the Pharisees and the scribes. How do we handle confrontation in regards to our faith? Do we cower to the world and not respond? Look at our culture today. If we respond anything against anything in society that's not a Christian faith, what happens to us? We get screamed at. We get called a whole bunch of names. Look at the world around us. We get abortion running amok. We got pornography running amok. And other things. And now look what happened yesterday. Another terror attack in London. We respond in truth and in love. But at times, i got to be honest, brothers and sisters and friends here today, sometimes I just want to be like Billy Sunday. I don't know if anybody knows who Billy Sunday is. He's from back in the 50s. And I went to, uh, when I was in the seminary, we took a class trip, a weekend away with the seminary, and we stopped in Wheaton College in Illinois there, and we went to the Billy Graham Museum. And there is a picture of Billy Sunday, if I remember correctly, standing on a table or on a pulpit about this high, you had a big room full of people, and what did he say? You need to repent. He was bold about his faith in Jesus Christ. And sometimes I feel like I have a sword at home. I want to take that out, the sword of truth, to come out and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ and all that it entails. We have churches today that won't talk about repentance. They won't talk about sin. When they, they don't even say the word sin. They say, they did, you did something bad, so you've got to come to Christ. What is that? There's a generation of people out there that say, I can come to Christ. But they don't understand why they have to come to Christ. They have to come to Christ because of their sins. That's why they need a Savior. They need to repent of their sins and come to Jesus Christ. Jesus, the founder of our salvation, causes people to be joyful and to expect confrontation. The third point this morning, Jesus, the founder of our salvation, causes people to be spiritually healed. Here's the gospel. And I look at Guy, and I think about these verses, being a doctor. 31 and 32 reads, And Jesus answered him, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. 
I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus responds to the challenging questions from the Pharisees and scribes, even though they were talking to the disciples. Here in this verse, we have Jesus. Jesus is shown as a great physician. Jesus is not talking about physical sickness, but spiritual sickness. At times in our lives, we do get sick and we go see a doctor. And a doctor will prescribe medication for us or go to therapy or get home, stay home and rest and fight the flu or, or backache. And I'm sure Dr. Guy Runkle has many time, seen many people in his, even the military. And he prescribes medication or whatever he needs to do. And we do have annual physicals to see how we are physically, do we not? To make sure that at our age that, we're, that our blood count's okay, then all that stuff is being okay. And every year I see my doctor for many years, and I joke at him. I said, it's time for my annual tune-up. And we both laugh. But then I'm not laughing when I leave because I've been poked and prodded and sometimes get yelled at from the doctor. <laughs> That's true, we do. I hope, I'm glad I hope, I'm glad doctors do that. You may see a little bit of sarcasm and irony from Jesus with his answer. And he came after them straight to the point why he was eating with the lost. With the Pharisees and scribes of their evaluation of being righteous, Jesus judicially went at them. Jesus called the Pharisees, scribes, tax collectors, and sinners to repentance. Jesus does not wait for sinners, but seeks them out, just like he did with Levi. God does the calling through His Son, Jesus Christ, and reach it, and we must respond to that call. Are we like Levi? Do we rise up and follow Jesus Christ? Many of you here have. Again, the Pharisees and the scribes said they were righteous because they followed the law and that they had no need of a Savior. They didn't recognize the man right there among them was Jesus Christ. Verse 32 reads, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Stella, the Spanish annotator, remarks on this verse, You must not understand from this that Christ found some who were righteous. For the sentence of Paul, time, Paul is true. All have sinned. Christ calls these scribes and Pharisees righteous, not because they were really so, but only according to the common estimation and appearance of them. You see, Jesus calls or summons sinners to repentance. Just like when Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, we are to hear that call. What is repentance? From Wayne Grudem's systematic theology, repentance is a heartfelt sorrow for sin. A renouncing of it and a sincere commitment to forsake it and walk in obedience to Christ. Amen. A heartfelt sorrow for sin is where we feel the deep and anguished pain from our heart and inner being that we have committed sin against a holy and righteous God. Some people that we know have tears in their eyes. Some people have fallen on their knees because of sorrow for sin. Renouncing of sin is to declare total abandonment of that sin. Gone. A sincere commitment to forsake the sin is to leave it forever or give it up completely. One thing that popped in mind, if you have a chalkboard, they still have chalkboards in schools. I clean them every once in a while. But you wipe it clean. It's gone, completely gone. Whatever the teacher or the student wrote, it's gone. Take that sin away, completely gone. 
A sincere commitment to forsake the sin is to leave it forever again or give it up completely. To walk in obedience in Christ is to strive for holiness. Jesus Christ and God demands that we are obedient to Him. That's why they have given us the Word of God through the working of the Holy Spirit. We are to live out what the Bible says. Think about it. If we came to Christ, if we didn't have the Word of God, where would we be? We'd be stumbling all over the place. I know for sure I would be. Christ is our example of living on this earth. Jesus Christ was tempted, but He did not sin. And I always say, strive for holiness. Why? That's my, that's my theme for me in my life ever since 1997 because Christ died for my sin and He deserves us to strive for holiness. We're not going to be completely sin-free until we, we go to heaven. And we will not sin no more. Even at times, we need to come down on our knees to confess and to repent. When you do that, you have the biggest load taken off your chest and off your shoulders. The Bible puts repentance and faith together as different aspects of the one act of coming to Christ for salvation. Matthew 1, 14-15 reads, Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It is a free gift. A free gift of salvation from the creator of the world. But the Pharisees and the scribes were were working a work righteousness. Romans 3.21-26, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fought short goalie of the God, and are justified by His grace as a gift for the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to go show God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance, He had passed over former sins. It was to show His righteousness at the present time so that He might be just and a justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Amen. Jesus, being a great physician, heals those who are spiritually in darkness. Jesus takes people out of the darkness and into the light. Jesus is the way of salvation and by Him only. We all can come to God through Jesus Christ. Buddhism, Hinduism, Scientology does not get you to heaven. One of my favorite verses is Romans 10, 5 to 17. It reads, For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does a commandment shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, Do not say in your heart, Who will send into heaven? That is to bring Christ down. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, with the mouth one confessed and is saved. For the Scripture says, everyone who believes in Him will not be put to shame. 
For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? It is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. For they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us. So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. That is our challenge. We're a priesthood of believers, are we not? We are to go out there and seek the lost. Jesus, the founder of our salvation, causes people to be spiritually healed. We are to go out there with the good news. There's many people living in darkness. Many people. We know a lot of people. In conclusion, this is what John MacArthur says about Levi. The traitor, the extortioner, robber, and outcast sinner became the apostle and evangelist of Jesus Christ. Matthew Levi lost a temporal career, but gained an eternal destiny. He forfeited material possessions, but gained an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven. 1 Peter 1.4 He lost, I love this, he lost sinful companions, but gained, listen, the fellowship of the Son of God. Amen to that. Friends who are here today that um, are not believers in Jesus Christ, time has come. Repent of your sins and come to Christ. Because I asked this question to my good friend Jim back there. He knows when I used to teach on Monday nights, one of the questions I always ask them is, do you know you're going to be in heaven if you die tonight when you leave this building? You could be in a car accident. You could have an aneurysm. So I ask you who are not saved, if you die today, are you going to be in heaven? Romans 10.9 again says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. You see, God knows our heart. Jesus knows our heart. You see, the Pharisees and scribes, they did outward acts. Remember in Scripture, it talks about they were praying on the streets so that everybody can see them. God knows our hearts. It's not our outward acts. That's the outcome of a saving faith. God knows our hearts. That's where it is. Come to Jesus today. And for us that are believers, one very simple application. Go seek the outcast sinners and lead them to repentance for their salvation. That's it. Use the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given you to do that. Either by a meal, like we saw in Levi, or in any other serving ways. Be there for people. In our evangelism witnessing, we are called to seek sinners in need of repentance and for them to meet the great physician who can heal them spiritually. Jesus, the founder of our salvation, causes people to follow him and leave their former life, to be joyful and to expect confrontation, and to be spiritually healed. Let's pray. Father God, we do give you thanks again that the great example of Levi, who was the worst of sinners, And you called them, Father God, 
And he accepted that. And Levi was converted. Father God, I know there's many people here who are saved. And Father God, I know that there's people here that are not saved. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would convict them. If they're not convicted already. To come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. Father God, thank you for this time. Thank you for the worship and, and the Lord's table. Holy Spirit, I know many others here, Father, we felt your presence so much this morning. God, thank you so much for our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.